Breaking news. The Fed is not lowering rates in March. Are you kidding me? How long have we been talking about that? Maybe we'll take June off the table. We'll talk about Jerome Powell taking the market down yesterday, but the buy the dippers coming right back overnight. Earnings from Qualcomm, Merck. We'll see what Mark Chaykin thinks of this sell-off. At 8.15, folks, it's Thursday. It's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. We're starting out in the green by 22 and a quarter handles at 48.92 and a quarter. Caught a bid right off that 6 p.m. open. Uh, the buck is strong here, up 37 cents, 103.46. Bonds up a half a point, right near 123. Crude stuck in the middle, 76 handle, up 60 cents at 76.45. Gold in the red by 16 bucks, still holding 20.50. Silver back under 23, down 43 cents at 22,735. And Bitcoin gets off to 40K level, but peeling back today a little bit. Down $490 at 43325 I'm going to bring back, uh, bring on Triple D here, and he yeah. is good at How you feeling, Dennis? You, you 100%? No, definitely not. This is, like I said, the worst flu I've ever had. It turned into pericarditis, inflammation in my heart. Still having a little bit of chest pain, trying to fight through it. Uh, otherwise... Like, I'm through the flu part of it, so I don't feel sick anymore, which is okay. a good thing. Good. That's a good. good thing. It's just the chest pains. I get a little bit, you know, still, and obviously I still got a little bit of inflammation there, but we're trying to work through it. All right, let's bring on Aaron. Aaron holded down the fort over the last couple days when I was gone, and uh, Aaron, you tanked the market yesterday with, well, I guess it had a good start with NYCB, which... Uh, I have a, a position on, the legacy position on for a long time. That take a little bit of a hurt on that. But uh, Powell, not raising in March, Dennis. You must have fell out of your chair when you saw that statement. We. This is what the market, I mean, does it price in nothing? I mean, pricing in a cut for March just absolutely seemed ridiculous when the data is coming in like it is. I'm shocked that the market really sold off that much on it, but I guess they thought we were getting a cut. You know, the market's just like, oh yeah, we're getting cut for sure. I keep saying, why why cut? Like, I don't understand the Fed's reasoning for cutting rates at all when the economy's still humming. You cut rates when the economy starts to go south. You cut rates when the data starts to deteriorate. You cut rates when you see job losses. And, you know, we have a few companies laying off. But the jobs data, which we're going to get a little bit today, has still been pretty darn good. I just don't see the reason why the Fed should even be thinking about cutting at all. Do you want inflation to come back? But anyways, obviously, you know, the market thinks, you know, March is coming. It thought anyways. And, you know, the market was humming along just fine during the press conference until he said these words. And you know, the reporter asked the question. 
And Powell's response is, I don't think it's likely the Fed will cut in March. And when he said that, the algos were tripping over themselves. They were trying to get out so fast, relentless selling, like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. He's not going to cut in March. We go from IWM 199, close the day at 192. What a sell-off. Spy, same story, not quite as violent as IWM, but from 489 down to 42. We dropped 70 handles on that call. So it was 70? It Came was back 70. 70. Am I correct with 70? I think I'm correct with yeah, 70. Yeah, well, it went, oh, yeah. 60. 60, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so, so give us some thoughts, AB. Give us your thoughts here, because I don't think they should cut until well, they start seeing the data deteriorate. Yeah, and I mean, so I think, you know, it's important to consider that when, if, if they do cut, right, you're talking about 25 basis points. It's not like they're going to go from 5.5% future fund oh. rates back to, to... Oh, hold on a second, though, Aaron. You know what they're doing now? Because this market is relentlessly bullish. A bigger, they're pricing a in cut. a possibility of a 50, yeah. 50 basis rate cut in, in, in June. Is it June. June the next one? Well, yeah, and, so, so anyway. this is... So, so anyways, that's what the Fed futures are looking at. They're starting to price it. Okay, well, he's not going to give us 25 in March, but maybe he's going to give us 50 in June. Yeah, and you do have, I mean, some of the, this is from the, the CME watch tool. I'll share it real quick. And this is factoring in, you know, bond prices. And they sure. have their whole methodology for finding the probability. They're still saying 35% chance that we do see this 25 point uh, rate cut in March, I guess, not believing really what Powell is saying. And, and you got to, you know, so Powell said it's not likely right now. If everything stays the same, like you said, Dennis, the uh, the economic data we're getting shows the economy is still humming. Powell is saying it's unlikely we cut rates in March. Now we do have data coming in. I mean, tomorrow's the big labor <laughs> data with non-farm payrolls. And yeah. if the numbers aren't good, there is still a chance that they do end up cutting. I think the flip side to your argument of why do it at all is there are economists that argue that a inflation wasn't the inflation we saw wasn't a direct result of low interest rates because we had low interest rates for years and years and years running up to that and never saw the uptick inflation. It was because of supply chain issues during COVID and B you don't want to be caught behind the ball because when you do start to see the economy slow down and signs of an early recession, that's like real pain that people feel, you know, real people getting laid off and though, and that reverberates throughout the economy and takes a while to recover from it's not as simple as okay there were more layoffs let's cut rates a little bit boom everything's back to normal that just being behind the eight ball can cause these problems that would reverberate for a long time that's what some people are worried about now the fed's been right i mean there have been people whether it's siegel uh yep. cnbc saying oh my god the fed's engineering us into a recession a year and a half ago clearly that wasn't the case so let's give the fed at least a tiny bit of credit of saying okay just because they keep rates here uh, they're only doing that because what they're seeing, what the Fed is seeing, is that it won't cause a recession and won't cause all this pain. So I see kind of both sides to the argument. And at the end of the day, I don't think a 25 basis cut is going to, say, bring inflation back up to 10 percent, 40 years. Hey, are we done with inflation yet? I mean, is, I mean, if you, you know, if you look at the comments, we're like. You know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're happy with the progress on inflation. There was mentioned that we do have, uh, you know, a couple data reports coming out, you know, before that. Uh, but I mean, hold, steady for longer. It used to be higher for longer. And then he came out at that last meeting and like 
threw the pivot on us. Market overreacted to that. Now he pulls yeah. away the March cut. Market, you know, overreacts to that. But what we have to do is look at, you know, so far there was a big overreaction yesterday. People that were waiting to get into the market uh, on some kind of pullback. So far they've taken the opportunity, and we got a nice, we got a nice bounce off yesterday's low. So simple, simple overreaction to the last two meetings, I think. Well, and I took the opportunity a little bit to adjust my long-term portfolio yesterday. And I was nervous off the hop with the NYCB stuff, and we haven't talked about it. I don't want to see this regional banking crisis re-emerge here. Maybe it's just NYCB. Maybe it's just this bank. And, you know, they hit them all, though. Like, KRE had a really rough day. A lot of other regional banks had a really rough day. KRE closed on the lows. That is nerve-wracking. I mean, this is what... You know, in March, obviously, we were looking at potential bank runs. This is one, you know, 10 months ago. None of the problems got fixed, remember. They just kind of all got forgotten. So these problems still exist. These banks still hold these crappy mortgage books. And if there's any reason, a, a fundamental reason or for the for the Fed to start cutting rates, it would be that the regional banks can't handle it. They can't handle the higher rates for this long. So, I mean, that would be the main reason for them to start cutting rates is if you start seeing more regional banking problems like we saw yesterday with NYCB. But I did some adjusting yesterday. I did not like the NYCB um, news. I sold uh, some of my IWM, which I had in the long-term portfolio, on the opening tick because this NYCB stuff kind of happened right after we got done the show, uh, AB, so we really didn't get a chance to talk a lot about it. It was happening right towards the end of the show. Yeah, we'll talk about the numbers real quick, so if you want to pull up uh, NYCB, so we're looking at uh, the company reported $740 million against $811 million estimate. I mean, the numbers they missed on EPS and sales, but that's not really the bad part. The company was talking about uh, a bad loan that it had in the, in the commercial real estate space and still some contagion from that Silicon Valley bank collapse last year. Uh, and like you said, Dennis, I mean, it's just reignited fears about the regional banks and the market, it, the way the market reacted yesterday, it wasn't saying it's just this one stock. You look at Comerica finished down more than 5%. Yeah. Uh, all these, all these regional banks got hit on it. The KRE had its worst day since October, 2023. So, uh, I mean, like you said, I mean, everything else, economy looking fine, whatever, Fed has no reason to cut rates. But if you start to see all the regional banks struggling and and basically hanging on for dear life. Because they're on the other side of all these crappy mortgages. I mean, everybody, every, the whole point, the whole reason the U.S. consumer has been strong is because these stupid regional banks let them money for 30 years at 25 and 3%. Well, they're on the other side of this. And that pro- those problems didn't go away, folks, because rates didn't come back down. So the regional banks, in my opinion, are uninvestable. I own a zero, a zero regional banks. I honestly think that these problems are going to come to roost here again eventually, unless the Fed really starts to hammer rates down. And maybe that's what's going to happen, is regional banks are going to start to have more problems. And then the Fed's going to come to the rescue and start lowering rates, and the whole party continues. The one thing is the Fed has the out here to save the regional banks, and that is lowering rates. And that is the reason we're going to start lowering rates, I think, in, in you know, more maybe so sooner than, than later, yeah, is the regional so. banking problems. But I look at this, and I was like, I'm loaded up with my WM, which has a whole pile of probably banks and junk and financials in there. And I'm like, I don't, you know what? It's time to reallocate. It's time to get more on the AI trade. Because you know what? The AI trades here, if we have regional bank problems or not. 
So I sold IWM yesterday, a lot of it, my long-term portfolio. Um, and I allocated, I bought a little bit more NVIDIA. And I actually even took, I, and I, took, I, have a, I kept a chunk of cash. So I have a lot more cash than I did the previous day because I, I sold over half my IWM position, which is a big position in my long-term portfolio. And um, I, so I, I bought a little bit more NVIDIA and I took a starter position. I mean a small position, a starter position in Tesla. Just for the humanoid story. Well, let's, you know, while you're mentioning the AI story, Dennis, let's talk about Qualcomm, our biggest earnings that we got after the close last night. Uh, Stock of of volatile after the earnings, I mean, Mm. all over the place. Let's go into the uh, numbers real quick. I'm pulling up in Benzinga Pro. While I'm getting this to, while I'm getting the numbers to load, Joel, do you mind giving us the, the technical? Yeah, uh, wow. It, whatever they saw on a, right off the hop, they loved. They took it up to 154.69. Uh, that's not going to be coming into play unless you get a major turnaround today. Uh, I'm looking at this 145 area. You did trade below it in the pre-market, actually below 144. I just don't have an area here for you between 140 and 145. So uh, be patient. You're going to get your first gap fill here at 45.65. But, man, I think I think if you're taking a stab, I mean, if you want to take a stab at 145 here, don't be like looking around when it's at like 142 and a half, 143, because there's really nothing in there between 140 and 145. What they give some bad, some bad guidance. Well, so you got EPS that beat came in at two bucks and 75 cents against 237 estimates. Uh, sales beat as well. So double beat on the top line. Um, and I think, I mean, the guidance I don't think was terrible, but I think it's just like what we talked about with all these tech stocks is that the, uh, you know, bar was set really high. So even if they give guidance in line with expectations, if they're not, you know, giving guidance that's above the expectations, then most of these are are taking a hit. You got a downgrade from Citigroup this morning, uh, $160 price target. So, I mean, it, it seems like this this earning cycle is it, it's either beat by a lot and raise guidance and you might get rewarded or anything else. If you're not doing that, you might get shellacked a little bit. I'm still long Qualcomm in the long-term portfolio. Um, been long this stock for probably five years here now. Um, I'm in from, I think, about $52. Sticking with it, what I keep trying to do in my long-term portfolio is what I did wrong for a long time, and I can see you know, what I've done wrong. It's just too much value, too much heavily value, low PE. That stuff's all been trash, man. The stuff that's got low PEs has had low PEs for a reason. It's because it doesn't have the growth and nobody gives a crap about it. There's no story. I just think going forward here, you want to own tech companies. So Qualcomm, definitely a tech company. is one I would buy on a dip. Absolutely. I already own it, so I'm probably not buying more. Would I buy Qualcomm if it's down at 140, 135? I mean, 2.2% dividend. Valuation's not crazy here. I think there's probably better tech stocks out there, but it fits the description of buying tech on dips. And that's what they've been doing. I mean, they bought the bloody AMD dip yesterday. The AMD quarter, Joel, you weren't here, was not that great. I mean, the expectations were super high and they don't care because AMD rule the world with their oh. AI chips. They bought that dip at AMD and that was not a fantastic quarter. 160 was a huge number for it. It bounced right off that level. Um, they're buying dips on tech. 
The Texas Instruments one, which we already talked about, again, Texas Instruments has leaked here now. So maybe, you know, the initial buy maybe isn't always a thing to do. But just keep in mind, you know, the stocks that they really want to own on dips have been the tech stocks. And let's just zoom out, I think, and take kind of a macro look at the earnings season so far from in, in general. You've seen companies report good numbers for uh, the previous quarter for Q4. But there have been a lot of companies that have issued weaker guidance than expected looking forward. And I don't know if it's because the companies are looking at the interest rates and saying, oh, my God, we can't spend you know money. We're laying people off. But these are some of the companies that have offered weak guidance this earnings season. Uh, UPS, 3M, Netflix, Humana, AMD, Texas Instruments, Intel, Starbucks, Pfizer, FedEx, Procter & Gamble, Adobe, AT&T, Nike. So you're seeing like these huge corporations offer weaker guidance for, you know, looking out. Maybe the, maybe they're saying, okay, the bar's been set so high, we want to kind of, you know, damper expectations and we'll come in and beat them. Or they're really worried about an economic slowdown going forward. So I do think it's, uh, you know, significant to see all these different companies from different sectors. Again, I mean, AMD and Nike, as opposite or as completely different as you can get in terms of what they're doing, both offering weaker guidance. Um, so again, that's a little worrisome to me. Well, there's stuff to worry about all the time. And I mean, I, I, I'm still so I'm still bullish, but I'm still cautious here. I mean, I've had you know too much cash in my long-term portfolio for a while. And that's because it, you know, there's good arguments here, you know, for a pullback. There's good arguments for a recession and not a soft landing. There's always been those good arguments here. But when the Fed pivoted, that was back in December, talking about lowering rates, you know, when we're not beginning to get data. I think you can't fight the Fed. So let's bring Mark into this conversation because I want to get his thoughts here. He's in the background here uh, waiting to come on. Um, you know, we, we are at the crossroads to a certain extent. We've come a long ways. The market has ride a long ways here. But I don't think there's just reasons here to just, you know, all of a sudden sell everything because we're not cutting in March. Mark, let's bring Mark on. Mark Jakin, Jakin Analytics, joining us yeah. here Tuesday to give his technical and fundamental outlook on the markets. And uh, Mark. I have a feeling you're still bullish. What's your reaction to the big, big sell-off over what we don't think is really surprising news about March not getting a rate cut? Well, you're spot on. And uh, the talking heads in the week prior to the meeting basically told you they weren't going to cut rates in March. And five rate cuts is probably ridiculous. And I've been looking for three. But I think the bigger news is... All we had was a two percent sell-off in the S and P. Come on, guys! From the from the peak the other day. I mean, this was, and a lot of that's profit taking in the big cap tech names, as you mentioned. Um, I think this is a great earnings quarter for the market. Uh, I think I agree with you on Qualcomm. That's one of our favorite positions. We have an, a long-term options position in in our options portfolio in that. And I think the story with Qualcomm, just to to put a little color in there. Sure. Uh, in 2021, they bought a company called Nuvia. They paid $1.4 billion. Now, most of Qualcomm's business is in mobile chips. They are, Nuvia is the, is the basis of an Apple killer chip. We, we know that Apple has the best chip on the market right now mm -hmm. for laptops, for 
you know, serious computing off the phone. Qualcomm's in a position to take a lot of Intel's market share over time, not going to happen quickly. So that's the growth story. Uh, forget the mobile, forget the AI. It's the ability to put a bigger chip, a better chip into laptops that I think is the big growth story in Qualcomm. And I'd definitely be a buyer down here. I mean, the Qualcomm PE has always been reasonable here. It's I'm a value guy at heart, and I've had this one for a long time, my long-term portfolio, and I plan on sticking with it. Current PE is 22. Forward PE is projected out at 16. I mean, there's not a lot of chip makers here that are trading for PEs of 16 right. right now. Again, these businesses are cyclical. So sometimes, you know, if the economy goes for a downturn, that could change. But, you know, you're getting still a growth story here. And it's, it's got a low PE. It's a good one. Yeah, and I think the low PE is because it's it's viewed as a supplier to the uh, the smartphone market, and you know that is slow growth compared to what it used to be. But I think this Nuvia chip and the uh, the chip they built around uh, the Nuvia technology is the long term growth story there. Um, in terms of the market, still very positive. Again, we know that the first um, five months in an election year are choppy. So don't expect the world, but do not give up on stocks. You've got to be buying the dips. You've got to stay with your long-term positions like you were talking about, Dennis. And then, you know, starting in right before the conventions, uh, typically the market has a big, big, strong seven-month finish in an election year. So you have to position yourself. And one area that doesn't get talked about a lot because it's not a sector, it's not an industry group, uh, there's no ETF around it, is IT services, which is a big bucket. But I think the play in AI, in addition to chips and the productivity um, enhancements to companies like ServiceNow and their core business, are IT service companies. So I picked out two of them. They're just indicative of Who's going to benefit here? One of them is Accenture, ACN, uh, and the other is IBM. And they both had really good earnings reports. And these are two stocks that I really like on weakness. Um, and the reason is that consulting companies are going to get a big chunk of business because of AI. And, and you probably that's probably why Gartner, which is priced uh, its nosebleed prices IT. from my point of view, IT is so has been so high for a year now because companies need help in figuring out how to use AI and what AI tools to use. And that's, I think, a, an untold story in this AI revolution. And by the way, AI is a game changer in so many industries, as we've said many times, in medical, in terms of enhancing productivity. But I think you've, you've got to look deeper. So I've given you two of the big names in IT services, but there's 40 or 50 uh, smaller names, and there may be a nugget or two in there, and we're going to be looking at them over the next What's that third uh, stock month or you two. gave there? I heard the ACM. Gartner, the Gartner Group IT, which IT. is... You know, oh, they're the, IT. Okay, yeah. wow. they're the prototypical, you know, how do I use technology on the corporate level? You know, they rate technology. They have the Gartner Magic Quadrant uh, where they 
sort of break down the uh, tools that work uh, and the tools that don't really add value in a very visual way. But it's a consulting company. I think it's it's priced to the moon. So it's um, although I respect the momentum and it has a bullish power gauge rating, I, I, I never quite find a spot to buy it. But that's typical of, of an unsung portion of the market where I think you're going to get a lot of juice in 2020. How about the financials, Mark? We get the news yesterday on NYCB. Ooh. Now, I know they're not a huge part of the market, but I think it's more of a psychological, you know, when you start talking at banks. I was looking at NYCB. Uh, that took its medicine yesterday. You look at this, it's just a, a one-off. Or do you expect some more regional banking problems here in the foreseen months? Um that's above my pay grade. You know, everybody's saying that the uh, office market is going to cause pain, and this could have been one uh, sort of harbinger of that. Um, I like the financials, but not the banks. So um, looking at insurance companies, reinsurance, also some of the private equity capital markets companies like Apollo, KKR, with bullish power gauge ratings, because with interest rates coming down, any any private equity company is going to have more flexibility to do deals, to acquire uh, companies and workouts if they get in trouble in terms of their debt. So, I think financials is such a big bucket; you got to break it down. And regional banks, unfortunately, are where you might have the problems in the office market. Banks like Bank of New York Mellon, State Street, PNC, I think are solid as a rock. And if you can buy them on dips, that's fine. But I think the the, the bigger moves in that sector are going to come from some well-managed insurance companies. <clears throat> we had talked about WR Berkeley going back um, a few months. It's been on our one of our portfolios. And they reported a blowout quarter and spiked up. Uh, on the other hand, MetLife. Uh, which is also in one of our portfolios, uh, got a very um, poor reaction to their earnings yesterday. So highly selective. And that, I think, is my watchword for 2024. It's a stock picker's market. It is. And that's why I keep thinking the AI story is just not going away. I think I still want to be more heavily technology. I still want to, you know, like I'm staying, I completely stay away from regional banks. I just like, like you said, it's above my pay grade to know if this is going to be another boogeyman in the room here. But I just say, stay away. I don't know what's going on there. There's no AI story in any of these regional banks here either. <laughs> I think I'm just sticking with tech here, Mark. I know like it's what's worked. And maybe people are like, oh, well, this is going to be the year the tech sells off and the other stocks catch up. And maybe that's the case. But with the AI talk, I just don't think it's like imminent that we're just going to throw these technology stocks out and start buying banks. I agree. And um, you know, I think the mega cap tech stocks are clearly... Um, overextended and that's part of the reaction you're seeing to earnings but if you look at the reaction to uh, alphabet's earnings to microsoft um really pretty mild you know you didn't get the 10 15 percent sell-off you got a three or four percent pullback and pre-market a lot of these tech stocks are up now today so uh people who are doubting thomas's in terms of this market are very quick to sell and i think we still have more in the short term once we get past the second week of february i think it can look for a bit of a pullback that's a typical election year pattern and you know that'll be another buying opportunity we you know right now when you're in a strong upstrand uh, i look for pullbacks of one and a half to three percent in the s p 
And that's what you've gotten right here. And you got it about a month and a half ago. You get into a more uh, significant short to intermediate term top, maybe you get a 5% sell-off. But I think that's about as much as you're going to see this year. Short of, I mean, unless it blows up in the Middle East, you know, if we end up in a full-blown war with Hezbollah or Iran, all bets are off. But, uh, you know, someone said, well, maybe the Fed's going to raise again. The odds of the Fed raising interest rates in an election year are uh, as as bad as the odds of you winning the lottery tomorrow. Uh, Mark, going back to Qualcomm real quick, you mentioned that you have an options trade on. And I, I was curious about that. You know, is it like a, a leap? You know, how far out is it? And when do you opt to go in toward an option like that versus just buying the stock? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Thank you. The um, the <laughs> position was put on in November uh, when the stock was trading at 140 and we bought the June 150 call. So um, we gave ourselves seven months uh, and uh, that's, you know, it's, it's acting very well. Obviously with this pullback, it's out of the money, but it was in the money. So we looked to go one strike price out and about five to seven months so that there's plenty of time for the fundamental story to play out. Got it. Yeah, when you're basically, whole... basically a 0.55 delta for the people who trade options using the Greeks. Dennis, we got some numbers uh, slinging around here. I know we had a little bit of, sorry to interrupt you, Mark. We had a sell-off right. uh, from the pre-market high, uh, but it looks like we're getting a little bit of favorable data here. At least the S&Ps are so trying to mount a How do we got jobless claims? In? Initial jobless claims came in at 224,000, about 10,000 more than estimates. So I, the uh, the labor data coming in a little cool, uh, more jobless claims again than expected. Non-farm productivity was 3.2% versus the 2.4% expected. So productivity came in, uh, you know, good. And then the job, uh, the jobless claims came in higher than expected. So again, I mean, you might be seeing some people saying, oh, maybe the uh, Fed's going to, you know, have to do some rate cuts after all. I don't really know. What'd you say the market was doing, uh, Joel? I mean, we had sold off. Uh, we had sold off from the pre-market high, but uh, just getting a little bit of bounce. Mark, uh, before we let you go, I mean, it it was the end of the month yesterday too. Uh, so you know, you have some end of the month adjustments starting a new month here in February. You think maybe just a little, you know, a little little booking of some profits after that big January uh, played a factor into that sell-off yesterday, or uh, you want to blame it all on the Fed? I, you can blame it on the computers. Uh, you know, there was just algos. You know, it, the market is uh, in the very, very micro sense controlled by the algo computers and the, the real buyers just step aside. That's what happened, uh, you know, between uh, let's call it uh, 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the close. The, the machines just pounded the uh the futures and the buyers step aside and then look at them they're coming back in this morning they, they're you know the the real buyers are smarter than machines in a sense because they know when to step aside and that's a fantastic point i mean the initial algo reaction is always just you know take the headlines at face value he's not cutting in march sell 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 i mean it's basic you know we're not in ai trading here where the bots can think and analyze and, you know, come in like a fund manager or like a human brain. They see, don't cut in March. They hit every bid that's there. And, you know, to your point here, Mark, is smarter money may be coming in saying, you know what? 
it probably wasn't that likely in the first place, even though the Fed funds, you know, uh, futures were looking like that, you know, we might cut. It wasn't 100% probability. And, you know, when you use logic just a little bit, you think like, why? So I think, you know, maybe smarter money coming in here and saying, no, you know, we sold off 60 handles on this. This is just another opportunity here. Cuts are still coming. They're just coming a little bit later. So sometimes it's just money to be made off of dumb algos. I agree. And, and, um, and Joel, remember the old uh, Yale Hirsch pattern of the last trading day of the month and the first mm-hmm. four trading days of the new month is when there's a positive bias for the market. So, yeah, we got the selling and and, uh, and I think it was coincident with the Powell speech. I mean, they shouldn't allow the Fed to talk on the last trading day of the month. Not fair. <laughs> no, they, that's what I was saying. He was trying to knock. The, the January, get rid of all of our January gains and what yeah, else? I, I saw you posted that on Twitter. <laughs> yesterday. Did you? Stop him from talking. He's ruining yeah, the Dennis was whining. Dennis hour. was whining on Twitter. They're taking really? away all the gains. I can't believe that. I don't, don't know. Come on, Mark. Mark Chaikin. Chaikin Analytics hey Always joining fun. us every, every uh, other Thursday to give us his technical fundamental outlook on the markets and uh poke a little fun oh, well, and, and uh, by the way in two weeks i am going to be in california but we'll do it i have a 13 year old granddaughter who's getting bat mitzvahs so um, oh, oh mazel oh, tov nice. yeah and you have Thank to you. you gotta you gotta pick out aaron a little bit too you gotta break him in okay uh, i just aaron, had mine good. i just had mine last year mark okay <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, we'll we'll do it from the hotel room and we'll okay, whatever's good for you. You let us yep. know. Okay, be good, guys. Thank you, Mark. All right, guys, Mark Chaikin again from Chaikin Analytics. Uh, all right, so you saw the market get a little bounce there off that numbers coming in. Looks like that bounce is getting sold now. Is that is that it's correct? Just kind of chopping just again. Chop. The yeah. word of the day. I think the word of the week. The rest of the week here is going to be chop. You got a big battle between the bulls and the bears now. The bears are going to say, this is the start of the mighty correction that we have been calling here for the last 50% higher in the QQQs. That's what they're going to be saying, the bears. And they were all over my feed yesterday. I mean, they were coming out from their hiding out of their caves and saying, see, we told you so. No merge cut. Watch the S&P fall 20% here now. I don't think it's going to. I, I mean, I was in that bear camp for a while, a year ago. I was in that bear camp. And you know what? It was fun for a long time to be in the bear camp, but it's not that fun. It has been that fun for a while here. So, again, it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. Now, you know, could this be the top? Could NVIDIA actually have topped out yesterday? Because when I tweeted out that I bought more NVIDIA yesterday, people just coming at me with really? knives. You're this is the you know you're buying this thing in the tech bubble top here you know like and on all these things I mean they came at me with knives when I bought it at four oh five they came at me with knives when I bought it at five oh five well I come yesterday and I bought it at six fifteen I think it was and they're coming at me with knives again I'm adding to the winner because I said on this show I think it's a thousand dollar stock and I don't know if that's by the end of the year I don't I'm, I don't need to have twelve month price targets but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility here. I don't think the AI is going away. I think Kramer gave a fantastic analogy with NVIDIA being the sun and all these other companies revolving around it. Why not be the sun? Why not be the sun? 
Be the sun. Be the sun. I just want to say overall, I, I like when these kind of moves happen because not that, you know, you take a ding on some of your portfolio, but it really sets you up. We, we you know, because couldn't find resistance, right? How do you find resistance when you're at new all-time highs? But now, just using the S&P for an example here, uh, we found just about 100 handles, right? So if this is like, if they're just going to buy this dip and they're just like, this was just a one-day thing, then you could easily take back half of the move and, you know, fill the little bit of a base. So, you know, look at your, your closing highs for the moves or what or the highs were on Monday and Tuesday. But at least you have some reference points now on the chart. Whereas before it was like, okay, yeah, well, 5,000, that's a nice round number, but there's a lot of trading action between that. So for the S&Ps, I did figure that was the first thing I figured this morning. Uh, and that was, uh, that's like right at 49.10 area. So that would be your 50% bounce. So we'll see. Uh, maybe not get back there today. We'll see what the jobs numbers are. But healthy, a healthy retreat. Give, it makes the levels a heck of a lot easier to do this when you're going uh going straight up every day but um we got, Let, got let's talk about tesla for a second here before okay. we go to the earnings because i took a starter position in this yesterday i kind of like like this relative strength yesterday it wanted to go higher you could just feel it the market brought it down but it wanted to go higher and again starter position long-term portfolio a quarter of a normal size so that's a starter position a quarter not even a half a quarter and it's just a taster um and the reason is I can't, I'm in, I have this balancing act because the valuation is too high on Tesla. We know that. But the question is, does the humanoid story get so hot towards the middle and end of 2024, maybe even sooner than that, that that trumps the valuation argument here? Does it, you know, does that happen? And I mean, Tesla has come in, you know, along, you know, it's not $400 a share anymore. So, you know, you're not buying the peaks. The question is, though, and again, you know, the car company aspect of it, you know, maybe isn't doing as well as, you know, as it has in the past. The growth slowing there a little bit. This humanoid aspect is real. This humanoids are coming. They're not coming for another couple of years. But does the story for, you know, does the story front run all of that 2027 potential here? Because I don't think humanoids are, I, I think it's just part of the AI movement. I think humanoids are coming. I think 10 years from now, we've all got a bot helping us out. I do believe that. I think that's where we're going. And I'm like thinking, what companies are going to drive that? Well, one that I think is ahead of everyone is still Boston Dynamics. I can't buy Boston Dynamics directly. I could buy Hyundai, who owns 80% of it. But then I own just another car company. And I don't think it's as good of a car company as Tesla. So then you could go to Musk, who has basically unlimited, Tesla has unlimited funds, really, at this point in time. They have a pile of cash. You know, they can do a lot of things. 55 more billion more cash now. They have so, there you go, AB. So I'm like, just thinking, you know, if it falls down more, good. You know, then I can actually add to the position here. If it continues to go higher here and the humanoid story just grabs it, at least I got a piece. That's the only reason. I do think I'm early here. But I just like been talking about it for the better part of a week on the show. You've been hearing me talk about it. Chris Camilo is preaching it over at Dumb Money. We love Chris. He's been on our show multiple times. I believe, you know, in, in, in Chris like as well. But it's more just I believe in this humanoid story. And, and you did I think that these things are coming. And I don't have any pure plays to play it. Maybe Tesla's the only real easy play on it. 
You did have some news with Tesla this morning as well. After, of course, the Delaware court ruling, Elon Musk is now trying to move. The headquarters is already in Texas, but it's trying to move Tesla's legal home to Texas. Uh, and you see, I mean, a lot of companies are like incorporated. They have their legal home in Delaware because it's supposed to be the most business friendly uh, court system as far as state courts go. But, of course, got an unfavorable ruling from the Delaware court. Now Elon's trying to move. Uh, Dennis, I mean, I think, you know, on, on this thesis we're just gonna have to agree to disagree here for a couple reasons that i don't love the humanoid story for tesla a as someone points out in the chat that most analysts believe the the humanoids are five years away for tesla at most so you're looking at a a a story that again i mean like you said the trade the story could make the trade heat up and and get some attention around tesla and that like you've seen with chris camillo but um Moving forward, I mean, you're looking at a, a thesis that might be five years down the road, A, and B, like you mentioned, probably not even the leader in the space that Boston Dynamics had a, what, 10, 15-year head start on this. Yeah, on but they had a big head start. A huge head start. I would love, you know what Tesla should just go do is just like somehow buy Boston Dynamics from Hyundai, somehow get it, you know, and merge that all together. And then they're the humanoid company. Because I do believe Boss Dynamics is the leader here. Like when I watch the video, and I don't know, like I'm not there in the company, and maybe Tesla's going to pass them. But Boston Dynamics, like you watch those videos. I tweeted one out yesterday. Put it on. Just put it on just to give people an aspect. Go to my Twitter feed here, AB, because I want to talk this humanoid stuff for a minute because I do believe in this too. Go to my Twitter feed, and I tweeted out a video from Boston Dynamics. This is not Tesla. This is Boston Dynamics. I tweeted it out, oh, uh, 22 hours ago. So you got to scroll down my feed pretty good here, and you'll see Atlas. Show this video because can we show this video? I think yep. we can show this video. Yep. It's, we're giving credit to Boston Dynamics. This is Boston Dynamics here posting this. So I want to show this video here just to give you a feel for how advanced these things are already at Boston Dynamics. I mean, this is incredible. But I mean, what have we from Tesla's? We've seen them, you know, you saw a video of them like folding clothes. That's the look at this. Okay, this look is, at this. Yeah. I mean, they're here. That's, I mean, that, that's boss. Yeah, this boss. is real, man. This is not made up. This is not, you know, this is real. Look at how smooth it moves. Look at how smooth these things are. And just, te- wa- just watch it without commentary. Even. There's a grand finale, too. Watch this. Watch this. Is that not incredible? Is that not anything short of incredible? That moves smoother than a human in some cases. Like the the flips, that's not AI generated. These videos are real, posted by Boston Dynamics. This is real, folks. This stuff is coming, man. This is coming. Hyundai owns 80% of that company. I wish that company was publicly traded because I'd be all over it. I'm just like, I want to be a part of this humanoid thing because this stuff is really coming. I think Tesla, I think Musk is smart enough that he'll get them there. I wish he'd go out. Musk, if you're listening, go out and buy Boston Dynamics. Somehow get that from Hyundai. That costs a lot. Get that company. Um, I did see on the black uh, backflip there, there really wasn't great form. So I'll have to go with <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go with an eight point nine. The Russian judge gave it like a seven point two. Uh, but uh, 
No, that that's that's pretty amazing. If and, I, and I mean, feeding into your point even more, Dennis. Someone pointed out pointed out in the chat. This video, that video is two years old. So they've yeah. only progressed. That's two years two old. Ye they've only gotten better. They don't yeah. show much what they're doing in there. And I mean, that type of technology and what Boston Dynamics is doing, like two years is a long time for them to develop more. You know, to to refine that technology and progress it even more. But. Uh, I mean, again, I would if I was trying to play the humanoid, I think I'd buy Hyundai over Tesla. Well, you because... could, and and maybe I do, and maybe you do. The one thing you have is, you know, Hyundai is a heavily levered auto company here. I mean, what's the symbol for that? Thing. Do we have it's, it? A, it's traded as an ADR over here, so it's like five symbol crap. Okay, Hyundai. pull it up real quick. And it doesn't hardly trade. It's by appointment only. You got to send your order in there. You don't even have a market for this. So, oh, I mean, I guess man. you can go overseas. and uh, So, the OTC you know, symbol is H-Y-M-T-F. Yeah, H-Y-M-T-F. Have fun with that. When the five symbols, they don't even show up on your trade state. Or they does. But, I mean, it's trade by appointment only. What was the volume yesterday on this thing? So, you got to be careful when you're buying these things over here. Oh, boy. Y yesterday, the whole 419. 400 shares the whole day. Don't just send a market order on that puppy. Be careful when you're buying <laughs> something like that. You could go over Asia, but I've never buy stocks over in Asia, you know, like in yeah. going over and figuring all that out. So, but maybe there's a play here. Maybe there's a play to just buy this. But again, you're buying, you know, a lot of other stuff here too. You're buying, you're buying mainly a car company that's very levered, you know, meaning they're leveraged not only for, you know, but their financing arm is there too. Tesla doesn't have a financing arm like that, but it's so levered. So you don't have all that debt. So that's a little bit of a concern there. But regardless, I'm a big believer in all the technology. I have no doubt we're going to continue to talk about humanoids on this show throughout and see how this story develops. And and like you showed in the video, Dennis, this tech is here. There will be ways to play it. We'll be talking about it. But let's bring it back to earnings season. It is the season. Uh, this morning, we have a company we don't usually talk about, but Altria, ticker MO report. Sure. Numbers were pretty solid. I'll, I'll give you those real quick. So the, the EPS came in in line, a buck 18 versus a buck 17 estimates. Uh, revenue of $5 billion missed by $60 million. Company announced a billion dollar buyback. Investors like that. Stock trading slightly higher. Uh, some you know more fundamental stuff. The company said... Uh, that any basically decline in in smoking products was offset by oral tobacco products like these pouches that everyone's using, either Zins or on. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this real quick. And then I do have a kind of trade idea thesis on this that I, I want to share with the crowd. Um, Mo has traded with a nice dividend forever, 9.6%. It's the reason you own Mo. There is no growth. There is no AI story wow. here. There is no story whatsoever. You were completely going in this stock for the dividend. It's a good dividend. People still smoke, but there's less people smoking today than there was yesterday. People are still more health conscious now, and people aren't smoking as much. So it's a declining industry. That's what I would say about Mo. So I don't own Mo. I don't own Philip Morris. The stock performance speaks for itself as well. It was $70 six years ago. So you got paid a lot of dividends, and with your dividends, you're probably flat. But for the most part, the dividend's just coming out of the share price because these stocks just tend to go down. Philip Morris, same story, $120 back in 2017. Six and a half years later, it's 90. One of the biggest bull markets that we've seen, you know, in a long time. And these two stocks didn't participate at all. That's my thoughts. Uh, I'll give a technical real quick on these, and then uh, uh, we can hear what your your trade idea surrounding this is. 
Uh, major resistance in this. I mean, the horizontal lines at 50, right here, 50, 69, 50, 70, traded 90,000 shares. It holds a bit there. Uh, not much resistance in the 41 handle. And uh, I just looked at Philip Morris, too, man. You got to knock out that 92 seller. Uh, so support and resistance, pretty uh, pretty well defined here in Mo. That is a big move to the upside for that 58 cents. Off its earnings report, what do you got for us, Aaron? All right. So, Dennis, you said there's no story. I think there is a story here and a potential positive catalyst on the AI way. AI story? No, no AI story, but I think there could be a <laughs> Hey, let your cigarette yeah, I'm excited. I sat up in my chair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I, I'll st- I got to stand up for this. So basically, okay, in, in the next year, I predict that the United States government will actually crack down on these disposable vapes that every single young person I know, I mean, if you look around the Benzinga office, everyone has them. I wrote about these disposable vapes and had to do a lot of research. They're all coming from China and they're all terrible for you. And they've been impossible for the regulators to crack down on because say they, one of the biggest ones, Elfbar, say the regulators ban Elfbar, these Chinese companies will just create it with a different name and then ship them over. And they're way worse for you than uh, Altria's Why are they worse for you? I don't smoke, so why are they worse for you? What are they doing? So they're just unregulated, and they've done testing on it on these disposable vapes that they have a lot more like chemicals and bad bad things that you don't want to be inhaling in them. Whereas Juul, the vape product from uh, Altria, which has lost a ton of market share to these disposable vapes, is actually regulated and tested and not good for you. You know, it's not good for you, but it's better than these disposable vapes. You just saw the UK government do a complete ban on these disposable vapes announced this week. So I think you're going to see a lot more people once those get cut off and they're still, you know, addicted to nicotine going to be going to Altria's products as a, you know, so if we see this and I don't think like, Oh my God, this stock's going to double. But I think if we see this happen, which I'm pretty convicted, we will these disposable vapes getting banned. Cause again, they're coming from China. There's no reason not to ban them. Um, you'll see, I think the stock go up maybe 10, 20%. I don't love thesis or I don't love catalyst theses because if you don't get that catalyst, it doesn't work out. But on a stock like Altria, you have limited downside risk. It's not like you're going to buy this here and it's going to go down to 20 overnight if the if the catalyst doesn't come. So I've been buying this stock again, looking for this catalyst in the next six to 12 months. If we get it, you see the stock pop. I'll be out. This isn't a long term hold because Dennis, to your point, people are becoming more health conscious. Over time, I think people will be moving more away from these products. But in the interim, I think Jewel, Zinn, all these pouches will continue to get more. They'll continue to sell more of these products because you'll have that market share returning back to Altria. Two things here. One, if I see any of those vape things in the office, I'm going to put them on the ground and smash them with my feet. Okay. You should. You should. Number two. Number two is is I want to vape the same thing that those robots were, man. Yeah, uh, in that video because that 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 was impressive. But uh, it's a technical stock. You're owning it for the dividend. This is a big move for it. It's had big moves before, but. You know, if it, you know, I remember poo pooing the uh, Procter and Gamble move that one day because it was trading way up and it just kept on ripping. So, you know, if they're, yeah, if they're in the gap and go on that, boom. So, I mean, if they're looking to buy something today that hasn't moved since, you know, a major move, a a lot, you know, behind, maybe they'll go to Mo today. But uh, I mean, these stocks are defensive. So if Mm -hmm. you think the imminent recession is coming and the crash is coming, it's another reason to own a stock like this. I don't believe that. I'm not, you know, I don't know. And obviously, you know, you're talking about Mo here. 
Um, and you know, it just had earnings, and the earnings were decent, I guess. Um, what were the earnings? We didn't. Did you give the earnings? I did. Yeah, inline EPS, inline sales, slight miss, but they did announce a billion yeah. dollar uh, buyback. So again, I'm just pulling up this. I mean, the valuation is just cheap. Here. Yeah, uh, eight, eight. If you're eight, a big believer in smoking. Then you know, I'm not a big believer in smoking. It's not for me. But the P is eight. I mean, well, it's got a nine point six percent dividend, and the P is eight. The stock is very cheap from a valuation perspective, but the story here, unlike, is is a story here is kind of almost. You know, and again, maybe there's a catalyst where you know some of the competition gets banned, but the story here is like it's bad for you. It's not like that's why you know I just I stay away from this one. Right, and that's why I I I. I made a point you know in this trade idea that this isn't a long-term hold for you. I'm not going to buy this stock and hold it for 20 years because I think over time people are going to be using these products less and less and less but again I mean if these other vapes get banned and you have say 10 million people sure. that are have been vaping every day and they still want their nicotine and then all of a sudden they can't get those vapes gonna where are they going to go they're going to go buy the jewels instead from Altria which again are at least you know marginally better for you than these other ones but all right Let's get on to a quick earnings preview for what we got this afternoon. Uh, can we do Merck? Can we do Yeah, Merck let's, do Merck. Merck. let's do Merck. Let's do Merck. Let's do Merck. I got something I got going up today. Yeah, so we're up 2%. Let me get the numbers real quick on yep. Merck. You nice. had uh, EPS beat estimates uh, of $0.03. Cents, or no, I guess, okay, adjusted EPS of $0.03 cents beats by $0.14. Cents. Revenue of $14.6 billion beat by $120 million. Um, let me see if I got any more color from here, but uh, either way, so the numbers were good for Merck. Okay, forecast 2024 sales of 62.7 billion to 64 billion compared to the estimates of around 63 billion. So it sounds like their forecast was, you know, pretty strong, at least a, a little bit better than the than the expectations. Uh, and the numbers also came in decent. So stock trading up again a little bit more than two percent pre-market. I mean, forward P is 14 on this. The drugs have been punished severely, um, you know, and, and obviously it's projected out earnings here. So, you know, you're making three cents. You can't extrapolate that out the four quarters here. Uh, Benzinga Pro's got the forward P at 14, which they're usually pretty good with those. So I kind of take it, you know, at the face value of the Benzinga Pro because they do a pretty good job. Um, it's all-time highs. I mean, we're right here at all-time highs. So hard to argue with a stock trading at all-time highs. I like owning stocks at all-time highs because all-time highs usually go higher. Um, valuation's attractive here. You get a little dividend, 2.5%. And you just wonder if it's its time. Like, I wonder if the drugs can't start turning around. I own, I bought Amgen, obviously. That was one that was in my NASA. I think that's got the weight loss drugs that they're working on. And, you know, I don't know if Merck is working on one. Maybe they are. Um, I think the story Big is mode. better with Amgen. If I compare Amgen to Merck, maybe that's the exercise here. Merck, 14. Amgen PE is 16. I'd rather own Amgen with the upside of them working on all these different weight loss drugs. One of them might hit. So I'm sticking with Amgen over Merck, but I don't mind Merck here either. Man, do you think do you think this thing can open over 123? I mean, uh, 32,000 shares have traded. You're going through a lot of, un, I mean, a lot of paper in the book that was probably there before. So, man, if you're buying over the expected move, too, as well, I'm sure, on Merck. So, if you are buying this thing off the hop here, you want immediate follow-through above yeah, the pre-market yeah, high. Yeah. Because uh, there's stock. Where, where'd you close at? You close at 120.78. There's probably paper up from 120.78. I think the all-time high 
was made yesterday at 122.84. There's probably a pile of paper at 123. So uh, be careful on this one uh, off the open. If you have your target on the long side in this area, well, you're getting an opportunity here at a new all-time high MRK. All right, well, let's get to a quick earnings preview of what we got coming after Ooh. the close. A oh little gosh. a little tiny company named Apple will be reporting. Uh, we'll we got Apple, we have Amazon, we have Meta. So, I mean, wow. this is we're talking wow. about a make wow. or break week in terms of earnings. Tonight <clears throat> will be a make yeah. or break afternoon. Uh, and, I mean, well, I'll, I'll go through some of the numbers of what we're expecting for Apple and whatnot. But I think the bigger thing here is what we've seen so far with the earnings is going to be how these companies talk about 2024 and the next quarters going forward. And if you hear Apple give any type of thing saying, you know, oh, iPhone sales might be slow or we're not seeing the demand that we thought we would for, for Vision Pro, then watch out because, uh, you know, I think, again, the expectations have just been set so and high. Our uh, understanding, the Apple Pro, the Vision Pro um, has been off the charts. Like they're not meeting demand is what they're saying so far. So it's been very good reception to that product, at least early. It's very early here yet. iPhones are always like, this is an iPhone company. You know, right now it's 52 or 55% of the revenue. I mean, it's been an iPhone company for a very long time. And that's why I've argued it shouldn't command the multiple that it does at 28 or 29 times earnings if it's not growing earnings the vision pro is a wild card again i've said this already too bulky and the tech the technology is awesome and i think the second and third generations of this are going to be better i just don't know if this is the the move the needle away from the iphone yet so um i i'm, I'm torn on apple part of me wants to own it part of me wants to rebuy you know the stock that i sold at 175 if it gets down there um because i think there is an ai story here um but you can't argue with the underperformance here this year too i mean there's two stocks on magnificent seven that are underperforming and it's been apple and tesla and every other one has been going well google i guess has turned down now because of the earnings but um i think we're just you know at the crossroads with apple 180 is big support if you get down there though and i'm okay. curious too oh sorry go ahead joel no, I mean, this has been volatile and, you know, had the sell-offs. Uh, the analysts got ahead of it and has had the nice rebound right back up to 185. I think it'd be important to hold. I agree with you on the 180 and just the way we've come come off uh, 10, 10 points here. I think uh, even if you do get a good, I mean, it seems like they always beat for, you know, a majority of the time. What they want to see is they like do. the revenues, the revenues is, you know, they've had declining revenues. So uh, you don't know if the Vision Pro, if they're just, you know, kind of holding back on this, you know, make it, you know, perceive there's more demand. But uh, we'll get to see. I know I know Gene when we had uh, Gene Munster on last time. Uh, that's what, you know, he was looking for the next leg. Uh, Expected move about higher. seven bucks, Joel. Okay. About seven bucks. And I'm curious. I mean, what do you guys think? I want some hot takes. Is Apple going to give any insight into into AI? Are they going to talk about, hey, we've been working on this AI thing. This is what we're going to do. Or do you think they're going to try to just stick to... They are uh, so secretive, AB. It's the secret company. Unlike Elon Musk, who gets it out there five years maybe ahead <laughs> to your point, you know, to put it out there and pump his stock. It, uh, Tim Cook and, and Apple is, is the exact opposite. They are very, very, very secretive. 
So they don't start talking about a product until it's almost ready for release. We know they're working on a whole pile of stuff. Who knows? Apple might be working on humanoids behind the scenes. You know, we don't even know, you know, some of the stuff they're working. We know they're working on a car, but that's, you know, a long ways out. That's been a long ways out. We know they're, you know, working on AI technology. There's no way they're going to be hiding in the background. But I'm, I think they'll talk AI in generalities. I don't think they're going to give us the idea of a new game-changing product besides the Vision Pro. One spot you are seeing, I mean, I saw a, a, a headline the other day about Apple's new update on the new on the iPhone will will give Siri some more AI capabilities. So it sounds like they're they're starting to move. But you know, to your point, Dennis, I mean, the company's so secretive that they might oh, have this girl. great they might have this great AI product that they're just going to drop on us one day out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden they're like, what oh they yeah, do. they're like, oh yeah, chat GPT. Well, look how cool this is. And it's way better. And no one even was expecting it oh, from Apple. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the company, but uh, I mean, just going to be an exciting afternoon. Make sure to stay, make sure to uh, Amazon and Meta. Is there anybody that's got higher expectations than Meta though, too? You know, um, I, I just, the stock has run so far. The stock, you know, came all the way down from the gutter a year and a half ago when it got under $100 to $92 has run all the way back to make new all-time highs. Are expectations too high for this one? Uh-oh. Sorry, I sneezed. I didn't want to sneeze. Oh, that's it. okay. Hey, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's had a great run into the report. I mean, high expectations. I mean, if you look with uh, the Microsoft and the Google reports, I mean... They're really, really going to have to blow it away. Did make a new all-time high yesterday, but we'll just look at the all, what was all-time closing high. Well, it made two closes over 400. So 401.02, that is the all-time closing high. And uh, the all-time high, that was made on Tuesday at 406.36. Where to buy the dip on this one? Well, We'll just have to see where. And we've been talking about Oculus with Meta for a long time here, and Vision Pro is direct attack, a direct attack on Oculus. And I think Apple just does products better than anyone else. So I'm scared of that too. I this is one I would not want to own, to be honest with you. Not, and maybe I'm going to be wrong, and maybe they're going to blow it away, and this thing's going to, you know, just rip roar higher here. But I'm, I think it's just run too far. Yep, and I do see some people in the chat talking about it. Worth mentioning that Meta, uh, Snapchat, and other uh, social media companies are testifying with Congress right now about you know child safety stuff. So there might be some. I don't think the company's going to say anything about that in the earnings, but you just have kind of more headlines going on with Meta right now outside of just the earnings this afternoon. Well, uh, make you know make sure to come back tomorrow morning eight a.m. because we're gonna have a lot to talk about oh, after man. these after these earnings reports. I, oh. I I don't know what's gonna happen, but I have a hunch the market's not just gonna stay still. I think we're gonna be either trading you know significantly higher or taking another drop lower. Who do we Chop. have? Coming, Choppy who do we, day. Who do we have coming on with us tomorrow, Joel? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get the soothing voice of Mee Schneider from uh, Market Gauge. She's gonna join us and. Uh, be with us uh, through that jobs number. Uh, just looking at the S&Ps here. A uh, li little bit of sell-off, but hanging up near the pre-market highs. Important day for the Bears here. The Bulls the Bulls could just sit back. They kind of define their area here after yesterday's dip. It's probably going to be hard to get back down to, to that area or make uh, a new low off the pre-market low. But after hours, everything can change. But so far on the rebound, uh, if this is a 
a rebound for, you know, going back to that 49.57 and a quarter high. We got to get back to that 4,900 handle, get back half of this move. So great show today, guys. And uh, tune in tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. for another exciting version of pre-market prep. Yep, and make sure to stay tuned. We do have live trading starting up right after this. So hang out with uh, Ryan Paluna, 13. Sorry about that. Hang out with Zunaid and the crew, and then we'll be back tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. Smash the like, subscribe to the channel. See you guys then.